It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Carding and Council Bluffs, online at joescarding.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Carding today and do yourself right by a little indoor cart racing. And by the way, this gets published on Tuesday, so thus today is uh, the Tricky Triangle at Joe's Carding from 2 to 9 o'clock. It's the Tricky Triangle Slick Oval Combination. All races are 20 laps. It's also going to be set as a practice night for the Tricky Triangle League. I believe that league starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. So, uh, excuse me, tonight. Uh, it get, we record on Monday night, and it gets published on Tuesday. So, get a little bit tricky on the wording there. But it, uh, the Tricky Triangle League does start Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, and you can practice uh, from well, it's just two until nine, but I assume that they're probably going to stop practice at seven o'clock. Wait, nope, okay. I'm reading that all wrong. I'm reading that wrong. Uh, practice for the league starts at seven o'clock. So it's open to the public from two to seven. You'll still, as a public person, you'll still be able to race the tricky triangle slash select oval, but you'll also be kind of uh, worked in there with some of the guys practicing for the tricky triangle league, which I need to find out when that starts. Well, my guess would be at least next, you know, no sooner than next week. If they're going to have practice tomorrow night, they're not going to run practice and league on the same night, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, looks like they're going to do two sets of practice nights. Uh, again, we already mentioned uh, Tuesday, September 12th, otherwise known as tonight, if you're listening to this on the day it gets published. And then they're going to do one on October 10th. So I think if my memory serves right, typically they do a um, November in a little bit of December with a Christmas break and then January and February. So as I scroll down the Joe's Carding Tricky Triangle League Facebook page, looks like the league starts on November 7th and runs until February 13th with a Christmas break, December 12th through, well, it kicks back in on uh, January 2nd. So well, it sounds like they run like two five-week sessions. Uh, a five-week session and a seven-week session. Okay, so seven weeks after in 2024. Correct. Okay, so yep. 12 weeks altogether. Yep. So get signed up for that. It was It's a good time and uh, a, a lot of fun to do. And, and usually they're on, they're, well, not usually, they are on Tuesday nights. It's uh, it's a cool way to, to kind of maybe rub elbows and, and bump uh, fenders with some of uh, some of the best drivers throughout the area. So Fenders? Um, they put fenders on them now. Yeah, well, I'll call them. I'll we'll, we'll call them fenders. <laughs> um, Alex Howard, who's a crew member for uh, uh, Joe uh, Jacked Over Racing, is going to be involved in it this year. Buddy Ray Jones is always Camden Vanderheiden, who is uh, who helps out with Cole Vanderheiden's race operation. Chris Roseland, who is a longtime racer in the area and owner of Backland Plumbing. I'm also seeing Daniel Latour. Cole Vanderheiden is going to be in it too. So both Vanderheidens. Jack Dover is going to be involved. Jeremy Down. Josh, Joshua Brown. I wonder if that's any relation to Jake Brown. I think that might be his brother, but I might be speaking out of turn. Oh, and it looks like the father, Mark Vanderheiden, is going to be involved in the league this year too. Nate Weiler. Uh, these are all pre-registered. Uh, Spencer Livingston, who is the uh, defending champion for the 
Tricky Triangle League. He was the 2022 champion. Also going to see Trevor Baker, uh, Tim Estenson, who we saw win Saturday night at uh, Shelby County Speedway in the 410 series, or the 410 sprints. Uh, he's going to be uh, racing the league also. Well, that's a hell of a drive for him unless he's moving down this way, which he could be. I mean, he's been working with Dover, I know. So Yeah. I'm not Maybe. sure where where they're they're uh, headquartered at anymore. Well, I, I he's always being announced from North Dakota. Yeah. Well, so. I learned I've if I've learned a couple of things in my time of racing and hometowns, current towns, and whatever you feel like filling out, it generally seems to be the rule, despite what the box says. <laughs> I mean, after all, uh, um. I think, uh, is it Ryan Kitchen is uh, officially from Seward, Nebraska, but um, he has relocated to Lumpaland, Nebraska. So, to where? (laughs) It's a a little bit of a joke. (laughs) Lumpaland is where uh, uh, Willy Wonka found found the Oompa Loompas. And uh, uh, Adam Gullion, who is uh, Ryan's. Car owner uh, suggested that his new hometown should be Lupaland, Nebraska. So that's what it had been for the last month or so. Uh-huh. Eagle. All right. So the Tricky Triangle uh, Slick Track League going on November 7th. A little bit of a break over the holidays and then back at it uh, January 2nd to February 13th, I believe. Uh, make sure if you guys want to get involved in that uh, again tonight and October 10th are great nights to kind of go out and just give it a shot and see if it's something you would uh, you would enjoy doing. So. Go out there and have a little bit of fun at Joe's Carding. Local news, just don't have a lot to talk about other than the uh, Stewart Alley Memorial uh, was canceled, inevitably canceled at uh, Eagle Raceway. We were uh, sitting at uh, at Kansas Speedway when the text message came across. And, uh, and I uh, very, uh, you know, sitting over at, uh, at Chris Morris, who's the owner of Quaker Sake and Lube, sitting over his RV, yelled out a very awkward and untimely, off oh, F. <laughs> everyone kind of turned and looked at me awkwardly. And I said, Oh, they canceled at Eagle tonight. I was really kind of hoping we get back in time, at least for me to turn on dirt crown TV and watch it. If not go out there and enjoy the racing, but the, uh, the forecasted rain in the area and, uh, and, and the amount of money that was going to be spent on teams getting out there. Um, I think they were hoping to, they, they, their goal was to make a, a call quickly so that teams could uh, make other plans or not uh, spend a bunch of time on a Sunday getting ready to go out to the racetrack. And I, I think uh, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated at the first like 20 or 30 minutes that that was out. You saw your typical negativity and just attacking first off attacking Eagle raceway. And I mean, that kind of irritated me right off the bat. Cause well, first off, know who makes the call. It was very clearly advertised as a Tyler Perry, Perry enterprise race uh so if you're gonna attack eagle raceway you should probably figure out who's making that call which was tyler perry in the end and i i think that tyler simply made the decision to not waste team's money and time getting out to the racetrack and uh and and getting out there and with the forecast of the area i mean it wasn't like there was a chance of rain when it says a 90 percent chance of rain for two straight hours it's a pretty good chance of rain the track's going to get rain and then it was 70% for the next like five or six hours. So I don't know uh, a day after it all happened when we recorded Monday night, how much rain the track ended up getting. But I think a lot of the factor was that they, they didn't want teams to spend the time and effort and money to get out to the racetrack, especially since 
they had teams making some pretty long hauls to get over to that race. Yeah, and, and well, his investment was already paid. You know, he lost his butt. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just face it. You know, he'd been advertising. He'd been, uh, you know, he obviously paid uh, track rental. You know, and who yeah. knows what ran. You know, it, that'd be between him and Roger and Racine on exactly what they were doing. And and you know, and, and just to, to slightly interrupt, maybe it, it, we're totally speculating here. I have no idea anything about their deal. But maybe there was something in there that if uh, if employees started showing up, because Eagle probably manned all of the concession stands. I know that uh, I had asked about announcing that night, and they they'd have their people. They they got their own announcers, so I wasn't needed. But um, if they need a VIP person to work it, if they needed concession stands, uh, I believe during the High Limit show, which was another rented facility, Eagle maintained the uh the the concession standing and the beer stand and got all that money off of that along with the facility rental and then uh, high limits got all the pit passes and the ticket revenue um thinking maybe it's the same thing and, and maybe part of the motivation was for them to make a call before employees started showing up and tyler perry enterprises had to pay some fees for those employees to be there clocked in yeah I, you know th- there's a lot more to it people just right. you know now, I said I'd been part of racing for a long time, and I'd actually been at the racetrack and got told to go home or cancel on the show, and then it didn't rain. Yeah. But oddball things are going to happen. I mean, it looked like we it was raining, but it wasn't. Yeah. You know, and it just didn't happen. You know, those things happen, but uh, the promoters don't call the race off just because they didn't want to have it. I mean <laughs> – Tyler Perry is going to wait as long as he possibly has to to make that call. Cause if there's a chance that it blows over and the race happens, he stands to make money. If it doesn't and he cancels, he's guaranteed to lose money. Yeah. When you rent the track, you don't rent the track. Hey, I don't pay you if it rains. That ain't mm-hmm. the way it works. Cause the track prep had been being done for the couple of days. It's always done during the week. Right. That's always part of the rental. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, you know, and he had advertisement and everything else. And you know, all the extra sponsors and st- whatnot that he, you know, hooked up that were going to pay the drivers whatever extra money, you know, for halfway laps or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, just it's just one of them things. Don't worry about it. Life goes on. Eagle did nothing wrong. The promoter did absolutely nothing wrong except try and promote the race, in my opinion, you know. Yeah. But, and, it, you know, it, it's I guess on, on what you could look at another hand that, you know, people got upset that the race got canceled because they were so excited to see it. And, you know, that, that, that's nice to me. I, that, that makes that, that I, there was a lot of excitement around that race. Now you and I had talked about running on a Sunday night. That's tough these days. That's really tough these days. Yeah. When you're in between the two metro areas, I mean, they're not, they're a lot closer to Lincoln than they are to Omaha. Yeah. That's why Omaha could get back in the day. That's why sunset was able to, promote and run a race on Sunday night and have good crowds because, you know, at, at back then the town was almost out to the racetrack. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah, and, you didn't and, have a long drive home. And I also, you know, again, I, I'm probably speaking a little bit out of turn, but I, I think the work environment these days is a little more rugged um, where not a lot of people work one job and, and they're not very excited to come out and, and hang out at a racetrack till, I mean, let's face it. If it starts at seven, you got two classes, you have a decent car count, probably 1030. 
you know, with it being Eagle, you might be over by 9.30, 9.45, let's say 10. So three hours. And that's a late night for some people on a Sunday night, especially if you've been partaking in some opening uh, football, op- opening uh, week for football, college football. Uh, it was a shortened week with Labor Day. You know, I, I think there were some factors in there that I'm just inevitably I'm not a fan of a Sunday night show. And everything that I've experienced at Eagle Raceway for a Sunday night show, it hasn't worked. They tried to do that Nebraska uh, Cup for for a few years while I was working there, and uh, and it it just it it didn't draw a good car count and it didn't draw a good car count. Uh, and I I blame a little bit on it being a Sunday night. I I just don't think that's a good night to have a race. Uh, obviously, unless there's a <laughs> there's a holiday the next day. The the Race Saver Nationals works just fine on a Sunday night because. Very few people have to work on Monday morning. Yeah. And uh, if they go further, there's a lot of people that go to work and don't work on Monday morning. So. That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> Want to talk a little bit about the uh, Super Nationals. I do need to do a little bit of research and kind of ask around about this, but um, I was really, uh, I felt like there was a lot of disqualifications at this year's Super Nationals. And I saw a couple of posts from people. I don't know if they were people that I should necessarily be taking as, as good sources of information, but um, the total number of disqualifications is unknown uh, because some of it doesn't get reported. Uh, some of it does. And uh, so it's kind of a, a, a illusion of the, of the total number, but it felt to me like we were hearing a lot of disqualifications for things and I had somebody that I, what I was getting to was talking about maybe we're starting to see uh, that the local officials don't have as much control over the races as they think they do. And when everybody gets to the Super Nationals, they've passed their local tech inspection just fine. But they get to Super Nationals where it's a little bit more strict. There's a little bit more technology in it. And uh, the tech officials maybe uh, have a little bit uh, sharper eye for things. And guys are getting disqualified a lot this year. Maybe it was well, a fluke. I don't know. But well, they do pre-race tech at the Super Nationals, from what I understand, like they do at uh, the 305 Nats at Eagle. Yep. All correct. the cars are pre-teched, so they're you know if there's a, a post-race disqualification, the car was changed. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know exactly. I mean, they can't tear. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, 1,017 cars down bolt by bolt and look at everything. I would assume that pre-tech is probably focused mostly on safety and some overall things, engine, fuel, um, maybe some common things that they find in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in cheating or that, that Chad Knauss gray area. I guess I would assume that not everything, not every bolt has gone over, or the entire rule book has gone over for every car. Well, I I've never done it, so I, I can't say. Yeah. But I don't know why you would have pre-race tech if you weren't covering the car. <clears throat> yeah. You know, there, there's really no tech on the on most of the engines because most of them are crates anymore. So all you do is you look at a couple seals and that's that. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the engine compartment goes. You know. Um, but without knowing what the qualifications or disqualifications were for, since you're saying there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, were there guys light on the scale? That's pretty simple to do. 
Was it a tire rule? That's pretty simple to change. Guys are going to change tires, you know. Uh, right. I, 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 the one that I guess I was reading about was the ride height for uh, or the deck height for modifieds. I guess there was a lot of guys that got popped for that. And the question was asked, is it time to change the uh, the deck height on, on a modified? No. You set the rule, the other guys were legal. Yeah. That we were talking when I did my one year at IMCA back in 2011. It's something guys don't look at. They build their car. There was one guy who showed up one night and he missed by like seven inches. And all I can do the first night is write him up. And I wrote him up and he never came back. <laughs> I, we were talking in the uh, uh, in the hotel room on, on Sunday morning. I, I wish I could find that post again, but uh, it was how much they auctioned off the engines for. And there was a lot of conversation about, um, well, I, I saw a lot of comments that I think the hobby stock engine went for 10. And yep. You remember that, right? And, you know, most of your crate hobby stock engines are going to be like 75 to $8,500. So why would you spend $10,000 in an auction? Uh, and I'm actually kind of curious about that. I, I really do want to know why somebody would, would continue to bid that up. Is that going to be a souvenir item? Uh, well, no, they they can run an open motor in a hobby stock. It doesn't have to be a crate. The guy that got disqualified up at Shelby County, or well, he got claimed and then turned down the claim and said he had $8,700 in his claimer motor. He didn't have a crate. The ones that got me were uh, the sport mod motor was a crate, but it claimed for like 9100 if I remember right, or maybe that was a stock car motor. The, the modified motor... I, was six grand something, I think, but it was a crate, you know, and that's what those crate motors run seven, 8,000 bucks. Yeah. But that's the part of the sport that's bad, you know, yes. and that's, that's why, you know, these auctions, maybe the guy that paid the 10 grand was himself. He, he bid on his own engine to get it back. Right. If they get the money back, yeah, it didn't cost him that to make sure he got his motor back. Yeah. I got to figure that out too. Cause there's been, I, I, I didn't do the research on Monday. Like I, I should have, but I, I remember there being some sort of deal where maybe the driver gets a portion of the money or I don't know, but it seems very advantageous to, to go out there and want to win, want to win a race. And you've got to give over your engine after you win it. When, I mean, what's the check? I'm looking at the uh, modified no. champion here. I think he's got a $3,000 check in his hand. No, sport absolutely, mod. Absolutely, positively. I know before that when the claim used to be like 375 or 325 whatever it was for the mods 25 years ago, mm -hmm. the track claimed like the top four or five motors. The guy had to give them their motor for that 300 and whatever dollars. Yeah. And then when in a sealed auction, bids were put in envelopes. Now, where that money went, I had no idea. I assumed the track kept it. Yeah. Because they were the one that claimed the motor. They owned it. They sold it. They kept the money. I got to figure know, out. I got to figure that out. Um, Bobby Lincoln posted a really nice post uh, earlier on Monday morning. I thought it was interesting. He said, after some random thoughts uh, for Super Nationals 41, after a few hours of sleep, eight days, 1,017 different cars and 459 races is just about as much of the Boone experience as you want to get. In those eight days, I would became, I don't understand this one. In those eight days, I would became the second planet from the sun. 
I, yeah, I don't. I, I read the post too, and I didn't understand half of what he was trying to say. But <laughs> I'm thinking he might have a small case of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> you know, Bobby's yeah. got a very good reason why he put it that way. I'm gonna have to ask him. <laughs> I love the guy to death, and and I really do enjoy him just because he is slightly leftist of askew. I really do enjoy talking to him. Uh, he says, uh, for those who denigrate, defile, or deny the greatness of Boone Speedway steak sandwich should be a sentence of life of veganism and sent to live together in a commune in the mountains somewhere. If your 2015 crate engine has a 2013 seal on it, stop cheating because you're not good at it. He kind of goes on to some other things and says 355 days until Super Nationals 42. You only get so many trips around the sun. Stop making excuses and just do it. Live, laugh, race, meet new friends and make some memories. Now, while you're still able to, you can figure out how you'll pay for it all afterwards. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. I mean, eight days, 1,017 cars and 459 races they ran. I mean, I thought what we did at the uh, Cornhusker Classic at IED Speedway and the Race Saver Nationals at Eagle was impressive. That pales in comparison to what they do at the Super Nationals. Well, I mean, I think they run five classes, stock cars, hobbies, two mods, and the compacts. I don't think they run the compacts anymore. Okay, well, they do run. I'm sure they do because uh, I thought I saw Richards make a comment. That doesn't his wife drive one? Oh, yeah, Kylie does. Yeah, you're right. I, I think she qualified. You're absolutely right. I was yeah. thinking they dropped them for some reason, but maybe they just uh, kicked them off the schedule during a rainy year and they needed the time. So, um, but yeah, I don't think they run late models there and I don't think they run the sprint cars there. Correct. Uh, they, I think they ran them there the first couple of years and they were looking for a new home to make some space because that wasn't the racetrack for them. And, uh, and that's when they moved it over to Eagle. Well, the, the whole thing changed at that point. Um, when it became the race savers, because they've had IMCA sprint cars since back I know of in the nineties. Yeah. Terry Ledger used to run one off and on and and uh so yeah, I, I don't know that much about that. I mean, I was always working for NASCAR except that one year, so mm-hmm. um I never really got into the boon part, but I just always thought the engine claim was just, you know, crazy. Like you, who's going to go out there with their eight or ten thousand dollar motor, win three grand, give up the motor for three hundred dollars, say fuck, I, I'm really good, I'm really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, I'm kind of scrolling through IMCA Racing's Facebook page, and you know there is a ton of posts for modified sport, modified stock cars. I'm not seeing a single post in a single victory lane picture for sport compacts. And nothing yeah. at all uh, so i'm just i uh, there's something i'm i don't know that uh i need to i'll i'll, I'll surely get a text message to get a fit to somebody will tell me what what i'm missing about it but anyways uh i have z- zero ambition uh maybe like five percent ambition to ever go over to boone just the stories i hear i have enough fun at uh at the race saver nationals i i don't need to make an extra couple of days out of it but I, I, my hat's off to those guys. And by the way, uh, uh, Ryan Dugan and, and everybody over at uh, IMCA TV, um, you guys can all go pound sand. Uh, I fell hook, line, and sinker for the uh, two racetrack story that came out again during the Race Saver Nationals. Um, 
they they did a really good job of tricking everybody. There was videos, there was articles, there was quotes. It's uh, uh, they did a really good job of uh, of pulling the wool over people's eyes that they were going to build a second racetrack to help uh, run the the uh, the ever growing fields. Don't know what to tell you on that one, boss. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I need to run my posts by you. Uh, let's talk about NASCAR. The weekend got off to a little bit of an interesting weekend as the 23 team of Bubba Wallace, uh, failed a pre-tech inspection twice, was able to pass on a third time. They lost their car chief and their pit stall selection, but early on in the race, it really didn't seem to slow them down any. Well, no, they qualified good and everything else. And, uh, um, and he got bit by the tire issues, I guess, that were kind of plagued the whole weekend from what I, you know. <laughs> no, heard. he got bit because I picked him. Well, and then you <laughs> wouldn't let the air out of his tire. So <laughs> I think what I'd heard was it was a potential broken tie rod that may have cut the tire down. And and that's the reason why he had to keep coming back on pit road. Uh, cause they didn't just simply have to change the tire and make some small r- r- repairs or did that, did they think that maybe broke when, when he hit the wall? Well, that would have broke when they hit the wall. He wouldn't have got as far as he did if he had a broken tie rod to start the race. So it looked like, uh, but, uh, Martin Truex jr. That was kind of fun. Cause I, I got to follow that car into the pits and, uh, and watch as, as Goodyear officials, NASCAR officials and Joe Gibbs racing officials, uh, poured over that car and they ended up finding a tiny cut in the tread or well, if you want to consider, I don't know, you know, what do you call the top side of a tire? The flat side. You call well, it the surface tread? Area. Surface, surface area. Okay. Area. They ended up finding yeah. a little cut there, and they believe. I mean, he might have run over a a lug nut from the Xfinity series. He uh, he could have ran over anything, but it slowly cut the tire down, and and that's what gave him that feeling of the tire was going soft. He was hoping that it would uh, go on one of the straightaways, but instead it decided to go as he was entering turn number three and he smacked the wall pretty good. Yeah. Well, first of all, you didn't follow him into the pits. Oh, I did you too. You might've followed him into the garage. No, I, I was running behind him on the, on the pits, man. And the, in the, on the track, man, you didn't see me. No, I Cause did I was not. so, it's, I was so fast. Well, the way <laughs> our weekend went, I wouldn't put it by that. actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, okay so i my sorry i've got my terminology from the dirt track world stuck in my head you're right i followed him into the garage but uh yeah no he just i mean he came on they uh right before he crashed they you know made the report um that uh he said he was really really tight you know and they were talking i mean he'd gone from where did he start third or fourth or something I think he was back about 22nd or 23rd in a lap and a half. Yeah. You know, so he knew something was wrong. And uh, then uh, when he did hit the wall, you know, that's when he said, well, the tire went down at the end of the straightaway. And, you know, he had nothing they could do. Um, you know, they he were, probably pulled the inner liner up. But I was, I got the, uh, the my favorite thing about being at the racetrack. And, and again, this is, taking into effect that I'm not considering the sights, sounds and smells. Uh, my favorite thing about being at the racetrack is that you get to listen to the MRM guys, MRN guys talk when they're away at break. And first off, that's a comedy show on its own that, that needs to be published 
on a weekly basis. Uh, but more importantly, they were talking about how in uh, furious, how not infurious, how furious the uh, 19 team was that the NASCAR tow truck or the tow truck that had been employed by NASCAR took the uh, the 19 car right to the pit, right to the garage. Excuse me. They wanted it on pit road to see if they could make repairs and go back out there. And I think inevitably after it got put in the garage, I don't know if there's another rule that says that once it's in the garage, it can't come back out again or not. But um, it, it just what I was able to see, that car was pretty well destroyed. But uh, it, that, that's kind of those little things that they apparently were screaming at officials, get the car out here on pit road. We're not done yet. Get it back out here. And NASCAR officials just said, no, it's going to the garage. Yeah, well, I, I don't know who would have made that call because they are correct. If they wanted the car on pit road first, it should have been brought to pit road to their pit box and yeah, and let them assess any damage there. But uh, uh, there's a NASCAR, usually two officials that are out there by where the accident happened and all that stuff that probably looked at it and said it jumped, take yeah. it to the garage. Yeah. Uh, so Truex ends up finishing tail end Charlie. He was 36th on the day. He took home a whopping one point. And because of that, he is the first car on the outside looking in seven points behind Kevin Harvick. Martin Truex Jr. currently sitting in 13th. So he has got a little bit of a hole to dig himself out of at Martinsville. I don't think seven points is insurmountable. You know, you look at somebody like Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Chris Busher. Uh, those guys are, including Kevin Harvick, those guys are usually pretty solid at Bristol. Uh, and I'm actually looking at Chris Busher thinking he's got a pretty good chance uh, of probably winning that race or, or being up in the top 10. So Martin Truex Jr. overcoming seven points at Bristol probably shouldn't be too hard to overcome, but uh, it ain't going to be easy. Yeah, I know you are correct. Correct. You did say Martinsville earlier, but it is Bristol. Mm. So at least you have the short track part right. Oh, but, thank uh, God. And yeah. I got the NASCAR right part, correct, right? <laughs> We're still talking yeah, NASCAR. Correct, <laughs> runs decent there. So I, you know, obviously he's going in there behind, so he is in trouble. But he runs decent enough there. I think uh, I think he'll be all right. But this is that that stuff we always talk about. You know, this is maybe it's his year to be Kyle Larson from a few years ago. Yeah. Had a mediocre run at Darlington. Had a bad run at Kansas really puts you behind the eight ball. And, and they were even mentioning that on the Ember and broadcast. I think he had 20, 20 some bonus playoff points. Uh, those are all, he, he almost exhausted those at Darlington. Uh, that's absolutely gone now with him being back in 13th. Yeah. And uh, he had a year like this several years ago too, because, but I, I think it was in the round of 12 that time. Yeah. Because uh, he blew up like on the second lap at Talladega, and uh, and, and it's just it might have been the round the, the first round, but yeah, he had a real bad race at Talladega, and it you know basically cost him the thing with the playoffs. So yeah, um, there's something about Kansas. They were talking about this in the pre-race, and we watched it during the Xfinity series. Maybe I'm just hyper focusing on it because it's Kansas Speedway. It's just three hours down the road for me, and we go there twice a year. But there is something about that racetrack in the playoffs that bites playoff drivers. And I'm I'm looking at the results. Truex 36th, Bubba Wallace 32nd, Chris Buescher 27th, Michael McDowell 26th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 23rd. You got William Byron 15th, but that 
that's that's manageable. But those other guys, you got what three, uh, five drivers of the playoff sixteen that all have issues at Kansas Speedway. Well, yeah, but that's why they had originally moved it to a a cutoff race, mm-hmm. and then they took it away. I I just don't know why they did that. I. You know, that's kind of the new management team that came along and restructured everything different. And, you know, um, like when they took uh, and made this year, they make Daytona the last race in the regular season. Yeah. That's what no, no driver wanted that. I know. I thought we learned our lesson at Talladega and that people really, really enjoyed seeing a short track race as a cutoff race or as they, as the, the re- end of the regular season with, <sighs> Richmond. with Richmond, Richmond right. was a cutoff race for right. years. All right. Let's uh, while we got a little bit of time left, uh, we'll continue to talk about the Kansas post race and then anything else. Tyler Reddick ends up getting the win. He punches his ticket into the round of two, uh, excuse me, the round of 12. Denny right. Hamlin brought it home second. Then it was Eric Jones, uh, a non-playoff driver, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, top five. Elliot, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Brad Kozlowski, and Alex Bowman, your top 10. Uh, good run for Chase Elliott, uh, who is uh, not competing for a uh, NASCAR championship. And I think we heard in his post-race, he uh, he said, hey, we were competitive. That was a win for me. Yeah. It's kind of the way you felt about this year. So. Yeah. Sometimes you just have those years, and this is going to be his off year to, to kind of retool and uh, go back at it strong in 2024. Uh, because of the results, we talked about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He is now, uh, excuse me, Michael McDowell is back to 16th. He is 40 points out. He's got to win in order to get in. Uh, mathematically, yes, he could still uh, punch his ticket into the next round, but it would take quite a bit for that to happen. I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is in the same scenario. You're probably not going to make up 22 points, so you got to be winning. You're in. And I think Bubba Wallace is right there on the bubble. I, I think 19 points is a lot to make up unless Kevin Harvick breaks early. And, and well, you're going to need Kevin Harvick and uh, another driver, maybe a, a Logano, a Bell, a Busher, uh, Chastain. They're all going to need to break early uh, and not finish out the race in order for Bubba to be able to point his way in without winning. Well, when you get somebody like Chris Busher who, who just won there getting uh... – Breaking is probably not in the books, but getting in a crash most definitely is. Um, you know, Harvick, I think, will try to qualify good. You know, I think they'll really try and take a good piece there, but I think they'll race conservatively. Yeah. Um, you know, especially uh, if he can start up front and stay up front and collect some stage points, you know, that's going to be big. So, uh it's going to be a good race. Going to be, a, yeah. I think this will be a fun race to watch, and I like Bristol uh, without the dirt. Yeah, it, it, I think I heard a rumor. We'll have to talk about that on Thursday. That uh, I, I think I heard that the uh, Bristol on dirt race is no more. That they're not going to be doing that again. That'd um, be nice. But Martin Truex Jr. He's he's got a shot. Seven points is not something that, that it, it, that's easily something that he can overcome. Um, with a, a heads up race against Harvick that maybe Harvick struggles or is a little too conservative and Truex is able to schnooker him at the line and, and get that last few points uh, coming out of turn four. Yeah. And I think um, Truex has got uh, a couple teammates that will definitely help him if they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, blocking. Uh, blocking is going to be fun. 
Well, not so much as blocking, but just uh, uh, maybe if it gets into a lap car situation, let him go by real quick. Um, maybe you mean, give him a spot on the last lap of a stage for a point. Yeah, let Truex go by, you mean. Right. Yeah, okay. All well, right, guys. It'll happen. I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we're going to be back on Wednesday. Excuse me. We're going to be back on Wednesday getting you set for the uh, race uh, this coming Saturday night at uh, at Bristol. It's a night race presented by Bass Pro Shops. Uh, we'll get you set for that. Plus, we'll get you set for the Abe Lincoln Memorial at uh, US 30 Speedway. And uh, we're going to talk with Johnny Davis, driver, or excuse me, the owner of JD Motorsports <laughs> in the Xfinity Series. We had a great conversation with him down in Kansas. We're going to play that on Wednesday. And uh, we'll get you set for uh, the weekend of racing to come. So we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday, uh, excuse me, on Thursday with the next edition of the Front Stretch. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been the Front Stretch presented by Joe's Carding and brought to you by Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs. We all have that coworker that runs their mouth off at how great they are. They shot a five under par, 95 mile an hour fastball, bench press 375, brah. Wouldn't you love to shut them up by schooling them at Joe's Karting? Council Bluffs premier indoor karting track, professionally designed so each corner is your opportunity to embarrass your coworker. Call Buddy for your next company outing at 712-256-5278. Joe's Karting, white knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue next to AMC 17. Quaker Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs continues to offer the best wings, burgers, and steaks seven days a week, along with great daily specials. Mondays are Kids Night, where kids eat for just 99 cents with the purchase of an adult entree. Tuesdays is All-You-Can-Eat Wings Night for just $17. Enjoy a half rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 on Wednesdays, and you choose on Thursdays for just $12. You can pick between 15 fried shrimp, a pickup cheeseburger, 15 breaded wings, or six boneless wings. Check out Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs on Facebook for all their daily specials. Get too quick to steak and lube.